Well, today we are starting a new series, and I'm excited about that. Uh, we're going to be, for the next while, uh, we're going to be looking at First and Second Peter, and also looking at Peter himself. And uh, I'm excited. I've been working on uh, this, this series on and off for quite a while now. Uh, I've been reading and studying First and Second Peter and writing some of these messages. Really, for months now, I was digging into these books and, and writing some of these messages throughout the summer and, and while we were in the conversation series because I had a little more time. Uh, so these messages have been simmering for a while now. And the crazy thing is, especially about today's message, is that like 90% of this message today was written months ago. Uh, but for me, it's probably more relevant now than it was then. And I just, I was reading through this message this week going like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, wow, wow, like, it's amazing what I was saying then, how like past me was speaking ahead to future me uh, and future us. Um, and so uh, this message that I wrote like two months ago is is for me now. And so, uh, so God's got his fingerprints all over this message and all over this series. Um, and it's because it's coming straight out of First and Second Peter. So I'm just excited to see how God uses it. Um, now, First Peter was written to new believers, and they were believers that were facing persecution and trials and hard times, uh, mostly because of the Roman government. Um, and they had been sort of forced out living as foreigners in other areas to escape some of it uh, because at this point, the Romans didn't like them. The Jews didn't like them. Uh, if their families were Jewish, their families didn't like them. And so they were outcasts in a, a very real sense of the word. And Peter was writing to encourage them in First Peter. And then in Second Peter... He wrote to them a few years later. To the, it was the same group, but they were facing some internal problems uh, within the church because of heresy and false teachers that were causing people to turn away from Christianity. So in this series, we're going to be studying these two books, sometimes right together at the same time. And while we study them, we're going to also be keeping in mind who it was that was writing these letters, Simon Peter, one of the 12 disciples. So today we're going to be starting in the very beginning at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 1, and we're going to be starting off in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1. So this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And then it goes to talk about expectation, but that could just end in the next verses, and that'll be next week. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and the fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his glorious, or by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So Simon Peter, he says in, in the first verse of 1 Peter 2, a slave, which kind of harkens back to the idea of foot washing. Remember Jesus told him, like, you don't get it right now, but you will. By this time, he gets it. A slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, but he wasn't always a disciple. Peter wasn't always his name. His name was Simon. Jesus changed his name. He wasn't always a guy that was sitting writing a couple books of the Bible, uh, you know, all holy and all, you know. It, he, he was a fisherman. He was a dirty, smelly, sweaty guy who caught, cleaned, and gutted fish all day. He was kind of a hothead. Sometimes he spoke before he thought. He had some anger issues. Basically, he was just a normal guy. Simon was a fisherman. He wasn't anyone special. Until one day, Jesus came and said, Simon, follow me. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Here's the interesting thing, is that Jesus chose Simon to be a disciple. And you know, Jesus still chooses and calls normal, everyday people who are nothing special to follow him. Now, one day Jesus asks his disciples a question in Matthew chapter 16, uh, starting at verse 13. Jesus says, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means, uh, Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah, because Jonah was his dad, not Jonah in the belly of the whale Jonah, but another Jonah. But there's interesting parallels between the three days in the belly of the whale and uh, denying Jesus three times. Um, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed to this to you, but the Father, my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. You are Peter... And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
He says, Simon, I'm changing your name. You're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. Nothing is going to move you. You are Peter. You are the rock. My church is going to be built off you, and the gates of hell, they may come against you. They may come against my people. They may come against my church, but all of hell is going to fight against it, but the gates of hell will not prevail. Hell won't defeat it. Hell won't conquer it, because hell can't overcome me, so hell can't overcome my church. My church is going to stand strong and it's going to be built off of you, Peter. You're the rock on which I'm going to build my church. Boom. Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, the rock. So so what happens? What does Peter do next? What, what happens in Peter's life? D- does Peter start preaching? D- he starts writing books of the Bible. His whole life changes. He becomes super thoughtful. All his anger issues, they go away. He, he knows the deep mysteries of God and, and follows Jesus with no problems, right? Look at your neighbor and say, no. No, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, but Peter was still pretty much the same person that Simon was. He still had the same problems. He still had the same issues. He still said something when he should have just been quiet. He was still just as dysfunctional. I mean, look at what happens with Peter just three verses later. Three verses later, after, after Jesus says, I'm changing your name, you're going to be the rock, I'm going to build my church off of you, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against you. Three verses later, starting at verse 21, it says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, look, look, Jesus, I'm the rock now. I'm the rock now. Far be that from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you're a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Wait, what? First, Jesus calls Peter. Peter the rock, I'm going to build my church on you and the gates of hell aren't going to conquer you. And now he is calling him the devil, telling him he's a hindrance, telling Peter that he's holding Jesus back. Can you imagine being Peter? Can you imagine what's going through Peter's mind right now? How Peter's trying to figure this out? He's like, I mean, Peter, I, you know, I'm sure he's going like, what happened? Like, like, geez, I thought, I thought you liked me. You called me the rock and, and all that. I thought I was doing good. I, 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 I had these plans right before you called me Satan. I was going to start calling myself, you know, my nickname is going to be the rock and I was going to do a thing with my eyebrow and I was going to get... You know, in the movie business, and 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 when I I I'd, I'd get up there and I start preaching, everybody go Rocky, Rocky, now, like, but now you call me Satan. You ever you ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're you're doing good and you're following Jesus and and you're reading your Bible and you're praying and, and you're doing good and you're being good and things are good. 
and then it seems like out of nowhere you screw up. You kind of stop praying and you kind of go back to some old ways that you're not too proud of where you do something or you say something and you're like, where did that come from? Because that's not me. And then after a while, you, you start to feel like, man, Jesus probably doesn't like me anymore. God probably doesn't want to use me anymore. Because that's probably what Peter's thinking. I, I was doing really good. Jesus called me the rock. He was going to build his church on me. But now he called me Satan. He probably can't use me anymore. I, I mean, Satan's like Jesus' biggest enemy. He just called me Satan. He probably doesn't like me anymore. Throughout the gospel, you see Peter, the rock. And sometimes Peter does some really good stuff. Peter's the guy that walked on water. But a lot of times you see Simon messing up and doing some really dumb stuff. I mean, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 33, there's the transfiguration and Jesus shows up in all his glory and Moses and Elijah are there. It says, as the men were leaving, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's set up, put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it says in quotation marks in the Bible, he didn't know what he was saying. You know, you're, you're you know, missing the mark a little bit when the Bible itself says like, yeah, that was a dumb thing to say. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26, it says, Jesus went with him to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here a while while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little further, bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And when he returned to the disciples and found them asleep, he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you won't give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And you know what happened with Peter next? He went back to sleep. And then when Jesus is being arrested, Peter got out his sword and cut a guy's ear off. Anger issues are, are maybe still there. Think about that for a second. Peter's no great swordsman. He wasn't in the army or anything. Just a little insight into this. Peter is probably not trying to cut the guy's ear off. He's probably trying to cut the guy's face in half. And he, I mean, who swings a sword at somebody and is like, I shall teach them a lesson and remove their ear? Nobody thinks that. At least I don't know. I've never had a sword. And, but Peter's probably trying to commit murder. And, and he cuts this guy's ear off because he takes a wild swing and he, 
and Jesus heals the ear and he yells at Peter and he says, Peter, stop. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. When Peter gets arrested, he, he denies even know, knowing who Jesus is three times within earshot of Jesus. Your best friend is having the worst day of their life and you're pretending not to even know who they are. That's cold. The last time Peter the last time Peter gets questioned it's by a little girl, "Hey, aren't you one of the guys that hang out with Jesus?" and Peter cusses her out. And after the third time denying Jesus a rooster crows, just like Jesus told him would happen, and it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. He broke down, he cried because he realized how bad he had failed. He had failed his friend, he had failed God, and he failed himself. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that, if you've ever felt like a failure, felt like you let your friends down or your family down. I don't know if you know what it feels like to feel like you've let God down or to feel like you've let yourself down. Peter going in his head, I can't believe what I just did. I, we, he's my friend, I believe. I, I told him that he is the Messiah. I, and I failed. I, I, just, I failed the Messiah. I failed God. He called me a rock. But all I, all I am is just a big disappointment to him. I always mess up everything. I'm so stupid. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I definitely have. A lot. And we just keep telling ourselves that we should be better and we want to be better and it's just like we just keep letting everybody down. Why did Jesus change his name? Some rock, he couldn't even stand up to a little girl. And you're going to build your church off of this guy? You're, you're going to let this guy lead your church? But see, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. See, Jesus didn't choose Peter because he had it all together. Jesus didn't choose Peter to build his church off of him because he was good enough or because he was smart enough or because he was strong enough. Jesus saw something more in Peter, just like Jesus sees something more in you and in me. God doesn't love you because you're good enough or smart enough or strong enough. God loves you because you are his child. He sees something more in you. That's why 
Peter says in 1 Peter 1-2 that God the Father knew you and chose you long ago before you did anything for him, before you gave your life to him, before you came to church for him. He knew you and chose you. While you were still Simon, before you ever were any kind of Peter, he chose you. Jesus didn't give Peter his name based on who he was. Jesus gave him his name based on who he would become. Because Peter would become a guy who wrote two books of the Bible. Peter would be the guy who stood up in a crowd of people, the same crowd that crucified Jesus a little more than a month before, the same guy who was afraid to acknowledge Jesus to a little girl, now stood up in front of people in Acts 2 and 22 and and said, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed this Jesus of Nazareth by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and this was his prearranged plan and was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus that day. Peter would go on to perform miracles. Peter would cast out demons. Peter would change the world in Jesus' name. So what happened? How did he go from being very, very Simon to Peter? I'll give you a hint. Someone was raised from the dead. Someone rose again. Someone raising from from the dead, that'll change you. That'll change your perspective. Jesus died on the cross for Peter's sin, for your sin, for my sin. God came to earth in the form of a man and that man's name was Jesus. He, he lived on earth for three, 33 years, lived a sinless life, went to the cross to take the punishment for sins of the world. And three days later, he conquered death, overcame the devil, and the gates of hell couldn't stand against him. And it changed Peter's life, and it can change yours. Look at what Peter said in First Peter in one, two, and three, he said, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. He knew that God could do it for you because he knew that God had done it for him. And he prayed that God would give you more and more grace and peace because Peter knew that more and more grace and peace was exactly what you were going to need. And he knew it from experience. 
He said in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter knew everything about great mercy because he was shown it again and again and again by Jesus. Peter recognized God's mercy in the fact that he had been given a new life, even when sometimes we're a little bit more like Simon than Peter. Not only that, but then Jesus went to heaven and Jesus didn't leave us alone. Jesus sent his spirit to earth to live in the hearts of those that believe. And when the Holy Spirit fills the believer, when the Holy Spirit filled Peter, it ignited something that was buried in him. It ignited the words that Jesus had spoken into him. What did Peter say? Verse 2, his spirit has made you holy. And when the Holy Spirit ignites God's word in your life, when Jesus changes your heart, when Jesus changed Simon's heart, he became a whole lot less like Simon and a whole lot of Peter, the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Jesus gave Peter his name, not based on who he was, but based on what Jesus saw in him that no one, not even Peter, could see. I wonder what Jesus sees in you, that he might be calling you, that he might be calling out of you, calling you to do, and you don't see it, and certainly nobody else sees it, but he does. Some of you today may be wondering, can I really follow Jesus? Some of you today probably feel discouraged, like you've messed up too many times. Some of you are here and in your head you'd say, Bryant, if you really knew me, if you really knew what I thought about, the things that I say, the things that I do when no one's looking, and what I was really like, you would know that God can't use me. You'd say, you don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what my family is like. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know me that well. And if you did, you would know that I'm just normal. I am average. I can't do anything big. I can't change this world for Jesus. And if you're... And you're probably right. If I really knew you, I might think that. If I really knew all the stuff about you and what you say and what you do and who your family is and what you've been through, I might look at you and say, yeah, you're right. It's probably too big for you. You can't change the world for Jesus. But luckily, what I say doesn't matter. This is what God says about you. In Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I called you. I chose you. In 1 Peter 2.1, he said, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. In Romans 8.28, he says, we know that God works all things 
together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God says, since before you were born, I knew who you would be. Before you were born, I knew what you were going to go through. I knew what your family was like. I knew what you would say. I knew what you would do. And I knew how I would use it. I knew what you could be with my spirit alive in you. You failed some, failed a lot. You've fallen down. That's okay. I knew it would happen. That's why I died for you. And if you love me, if you love me, I'll take those things, I'll take those failures, and I'll use them because I've called you and I chose you for a purpose. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 through 4. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And again, Peter could say this. Peter knew you could because Peter knew he could. Peter knew that if God chose him and used him and gave him a purpose, that God has given you his spirit and you're able to share in God's divine nature and you're able to escape the world's corruption caused by your human desires. The gate, he knew that the gates of hell couldn't stand up against Jesus and because of that, he knew that the gates of hell couldn't stand up against him and the gates of hell can't stand up against any of us because when God's spirit is living in us, when we come together, the gates of hell can't stand against us because that's what the church is. One last Peter story. And this is cool. This is really cool. So Jesus had risen from the dead, but he hadn't gone back to heaven yet. And Peter is out in a boat fishing and he still kind of feels like a failure because he still was the guy that denied Jesus three times. And, and sometimes when you feel like a failure, you go back to old stuff and old attitudes and old habits that you did before Jesus. But when Jesus shows up on the beach, Jesus calls them into shore and Peter being Peter, he just jumps out of the boat and swims um, because it's Peter and he doesn't always think first. He just kind of reacts. And it's just funny to me because I can imagine like he's like swimming back and, and like the other disciples are like passing him in the boat and like, dude, you could have just stayed in the boat. We're going to get there before you now. 
Um, but check out what Jesus says. After bre- it says, this is starting in verse 15 of John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, it's interesting that he calls him Simon there. Simon, son of John, do you love these? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus was asking a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter answers three times, yes, you know I love you. Jesus, in his grace and mercy, more and more grace and mercy that Peter talks about in his books, Jesus kind of made a way for Peter to make things right. He asked Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter says, yes, I love you. But you know how last week I said that Jesus is, is the living embodiment, that Jesus is the word of God, John tells us. So, that you, so you see, when you watch Jesus, you see him living out the word. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And then he says, when he says yes, he says, feed my sheep. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to what? His purpose. He asked Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes. Then he said, here's your purpose. All all the stuff in between, all the Simon stuff, we're gonna work all that to good, Peter. Don't, don't worry about that. Do you love me? Yes. Well, here's your purpose. For those like Peter who love God in this room, Jesus is asking you today, do you love me? And if you're saying, yes, Lord, I love you, then God will work all things, Romans tells us, all things, your screw-ups, your failures, your weakness, all things. If you say, yes, I love Jesus, God will work all things together for good and for the purpose to which he has called you to. Because Peter was called for God's purpose. You were called for God's purpose. Today, Jesus asks you the same questions that he asked Peter. Who do you say I am? Do you love me? Really love me? And if 
today your answer is yes. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. If today your answer is yes, Jesus, I love you, then Peter's word to you today is 1 Peter 1, 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him, and you can obey him, and you have been, and you can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we, he says we, because he's including himself, that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if today your answer is, yes, Jesus, I love you, then Peter's word to you is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By his divine power, God has given you everything you need for a godly life. You have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called you to himself by means of his glory, marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given you great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature, to do divine godly things for his divine purpose through you and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If Simon, who was as normal as prone to messing up as you are, if he can do it, if the same spirit lives in him and did those things through him, lives in you, then you have a part to play in the kingdom that Jesus is building. And Peter knew it. You might not be entirely who God has said that you are quite yet. You may still be a lot like Simon some days, but he has given you everything that you need to become your own version of Peter. Born again, chosen, called, empowered, equipped, May you find yourself living in that a little bit more. May God give you more and more grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Let's pray.